Revivify, design and building pros podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Revivify podcast. I'm your host, Grace Mace. We're really fortunate that we get to speak with John Arison of Crest Backyard Homes. He's a licensed general contractor and specialized in ADU, accessory dwelling units, as well as manufacturing home contractors and a licensed real estate broker. You're effectively a renaissance man, John. <laughs> Welcome, I wear John. all the badges. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So let's get started. You clearly have enormous experience, and I'm dying to learn more about your journey, how you got started with ADU. Well, I started in, 19, in the 80s, 86, to be exact. Uh, kind of backed into it by default. I had five kids and a mortgage, and uh, I was out of work. So I went to work for a contractor specialized in manufactured homes, doing foundation systems and other types of uh, related work in the manufactured housing industry. And there I worked for a while and uh, eventually got my own license. I started out with the general contractor's license, and then I got a manufactured home license, and then I had to get a manufactured home dealer's license. And every single one of those were kind of out of necessity. I, I got my general uh, contractor's license thinking that all I would have to do, because that covers all the bases, you got a general, you can do everything with a B license except tunnels, skyscrapers, and bridges that you need an A license for, which is an engineering license. Then I found out that no, that wasn't adequate in order to install manufactured homes. You had to have a manufactured home contractor's license. So a year later, I got that. And then in Northridge, uh, as we were discussing with after the earthquake, we had a facility, about the only place in the whole area, in the whole San Fernando Valley, where we could accept derelict manufactured homes that were totaled out in the earthquake. So I started using that as a boneyard. Insurance companies started dumping them all on our, our 10-acre facility. And then I started basically passing those along to brokers that would come up from Mexico take them back down, use them as dwellings down there for folks or ranchers in the San Joaquin Valley who needed a housing for their farm workers. And then somebody found out I was selling those and they turned me into the state. And so the state came out and reprimanded me and told me I had to have a manufactured home dealer's license. So I got the manufactured home dealer's license. And then when I started with that, I started selling manufactured homes. But then we started moving into the real estate end of it, and I found out that I could not sell manufactured homes to people on real property unless I had a real estate license. So oh. I my real estate sales license, and then I didn't want to be beholden to my broker because they were, you know, asking for too much of the pie, and I was doing all the work. Right. So then I got, I got my own broker's license, and that's kind of how I did all that. So I it all came together pretty much out of necessity. So. Wow. That truly is a renaissance, man. You went from <laughs> just building things before you know you're licensed in many trades. That's awesome. I mean, that also gives you advantage of to understand not only how to build, but also how to evaluate the worthiness of the property value. Exactly. Well, and we, we do a lot of uh, investing of our own and development. So we're always looking for properties that either have ADUs already on them uh, some of them permitted or non-permitted or non-conforming. Those you can get sometimes at a pretty good deal because they're they're not permitted. Right. So that gives us an opportunity as a as an investor to 
get a, a better deal on the property, at which time we do whatever we have to do to bring that uh, unpermitted structure up to code. And then we use that as an investment. We either turn around and sell it or we just to add it to our real estate portfolio for ongoing rental uh, revenues. Right. So there's that. And then we also look for properties for folks that have ADUs on them or that are ADU viable. What kind of homework would you recommend homeowners to do when they start planning on this ADU project? Well, there's so much information on the internet. Uh, everybody starts there anyway. I say 99% of the people that contact us got us on the internet. They got us by navigating and surfing various sites. Uh, they contacted purveyors like myself, uh, and they and some of them choose us, some of them don't. Preferences are uh, we provide a turnkey solution uh, at every level. I mean, we can literally doesn't matter whether it's site built, factory built, panelized kit uh, container, modular manufactured. We we offer the whole gambit of options. So from that standpoint, we tend to get more than our share of qualified uh, clients, if you will, because hmm. we can offer them just about anything they want. So that's we, great. We have a pretty broad array of selections, and we garner a really solid base of uh, clientele. Right, and uh, thank you. For, you just mentioned lists of all the different options, which is great. But as homeowners, a lot of time they don't know what they don't know. Where are the, I mean, there's a you know, build ADU, getting or pulling permits, and that's one main one path. And there's modulars, there's panels, and, and where are those differences? And what should homeowner consider? Which option would maybe better for them? Well, we always start out with a phone call. We have an intake form on our website. We ask folks to fill out, and that gives us a general overview of what it is they're actually looking for. We ask them about their budget. We ask them about their method of financing, because those are a lot of things that people oftentimes haven't really worked out. Right. So we don't have the time, unfortunately, to put into folks that haven't gotten that far down the road yet. And I learned that from real estate. As a real estate broker, the first question we ask a client, are you pre-qualified? Right. Do you have proof of funds? You know, and those are very basic questions. As a builder or contractor, we ask those same questions. We want to know who we're dealing with. It. If it's somebody that's just getting started, we don't want to lose anybody. We don't want anybody to fall through the cracks. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong. But if somebody just you know says, well, I'm just getting started. I'm just starting to look. I really don't know how much I want to spend. I really don't know about my financing. Then we basically say, well, the best thing you can do at this point is to take those few steps and find answers to those questions and then revisit us when you're down the road a little little further because okay. we have to prioritize of course if we don't prioritize we're lost in the woods we'd never get anything done and so we basically what happens is it's a it's the low-hanging fruit if you will the folks that are ready they've done their research they're they're not tire cook kickers or looky-loos right uh, they're they're they want to get it done right so that that's kind of where where we're at when we go into this thing with a with a client and they pretty much know what their budget is. They pretty much know how they're going to finance it. And then we can help them determine the best, best method there is for what to achieve their goal. Right. And I would say 75% of it is based on price. 
Yes. And, and folks, uh, you know, a lot of folks don't have deep pockets. They're on limited incomes or they have limited equity in their homes. They have limited financial capability. Uh, they're being taken from their IRA or their 401k or their savings account, or they're leveraging equity on their home. So there's all these variables. So they've got to be more dollar conscious than the guy that's got the deep pockets that can just whip it out and right. get it paid for. So that those are the those are the folks that are usually in about the hundred and twenty-five to about hundred and fifty to seventy-five thousand dollar bracket. When you're in that price point, you're pretty much relegated by default to go with manufactured mm. because it's the least expensive. Right. Uh, you get into your modular, you get into your kit and your panelized options, you get into your containerized, which is really becoming popular, the big right. shipping container thing. And then you get into your custom ground up uh, site built, uh, which we also do. And then you get into your conversions, room additions, right. uh, garage apartments, garage conversions, things like that. So there's that very broad array of options to choose from with price points attached to each one. Right. You can pay as little as 200 bucks a square foot. You can pay as much as 350 to $500 a square foot, right. depending on your appetite, your, right. your, your and financial wherewithal. So it's interesting you talk about 75% of homeowners budget, very budget conscious. They focus on price, which is, that's a very consistent with what we've seen in our research as well. But there's obviously there's, you know, homeowner don't know what they don't know. They may say, Hey, even though on average should be 125 to 150 for modular or for, for manufacturer units versus if their budget's hundred, <laughs> as we talked about before, hundred thousand dollars per square foot. For also regional is could be different due to price and labor and so forth, or the cost of material and labors. But when it comes to helping homeowners to understand how to set their budget, what advice would you suggest for them? Well, um, they have to know what their financial constraints are. Right. You know, we, we can't really help them too much there. They they tell us, well, I've got a home that's worth uh, four hundred thousand dollars. If I put a, an ADU on it, I'm going to spend another, let's say, 150. So now I've got a home that I've got, you know, 550 thousand dollars intrinsic value on. But then they need to find an appraiser that's going to be able to come out and appraise that mm. after it's been after it's been done, and they can do that by gathering comps that are in the area. Big challenge right now, and it's going to change soon. The landscape is changing drastically because you're seeing these ADU start to dot the landscape everywhere. And so yes. there's a lot more out there for appraisers to draw from for right. comps. A couple of years ago, it was impossible. That's true. A couple of years ago, there weren't enough out there. So appraisers weren't able to, to, to gather comps. They weren't able to include the square footage in. So here's somebody spent that 150 grand and they, they got the appraisal for the refi on their home to pay for it. And the appraiser said, I can't give you any value for it because I can't get any comps. Mm. And that was, that was just, we had to go through that whole period and, and still do in a lot of areas because there's still many areas that aren't, aren't up to snuff on, on uh, uh, comps. They don't, there's not that many going on yet. Right. So that, that has to be factored into the equation. 
we work with a bank that that provides that type of financing. They do what they call after uh, improvement valuation. Okay. So they they will give a homeowner if they qualify, and if their home appraises, they will give them a full construction loan based on whatever it is that that we estimate it will be. Right. We build it out. Then they come in and fund it. They'll take the construction loan out and then they'll put in long-term financing at competitive interest rates. So, you know, th- there is that type of financing out there. So that, that way the, the homeowner knows going in, well, I've already pre-approved. Uh, the bank's already said that this is going to be worth X. Once it's been installed, I'm good to go. We go in, we do the improvement. The bank comes in, the final inspection takes place. The bank takes out the construction loan, comes in and funds it with a long-term mortgage, rather painlessly in those areas. Right. And we have that available for both site-built and mm-hmm. manufactured. So just out of curiosity, just even as you described the site-built, the custom site-built to the manufacturer, what kind of value does it add to these units to at home? Obviously, well, the price um, is very different. Just out of curiosity, percentage or dollar amount, what does it? What do you usually see? And I'm sure that's a factor into the homeowner's decision on which path to take. It's a fair question. And, and it, it, it does pose some challenges, but it's not supposed to. By uh, Under the, the banking, like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they say that appraisers and banks are supposed to give the same value for a manufactured home as they do for a site build, but they don't always see eye to eye. So those stars don't always align. And and there tends to be a gap there. Over time, that will probably take care of itself because the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are slowly coming around to the realization that manufactured homes are here to stay and that they're built the same way a site built home is. There's no difference in the quality at all. Uh, and we do both. I'm not married to one or the other. Whatever my client wants, I'll build for them or offer them. But uh, I can tell you firsthand, I've been through hundreds of factories, uh, thousands of times over the years. I mean, we've worked all over California, Arizona, Washington, uh, Nevada, Florida. I've been licensed in all those states. And we've done projects in all those states. And I've been through a lot of those factories. And today's standards, their building standards, it's under the HUD mandate. Right. Housing and urban development. So they have to comply with uh, UCB and, and ICBO standards, which are your, 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 your uniform building code, right. which is kind of the Bible for construction. So from that standpoint, there's no reason why they shouldn't have the same value. It's mm-hmm. just that stigma right. that people have had for manufactured homes. Right. Uh, they started out as as trailers. I remember right. back in the early days when they were back when pre HUD, before HUD came into the picture, we used to call them wobbly boxes because <laughs> okay. they were built like little tin shacks. Right, they were built the same way trailers were built. Well, that's what created that stigma because you had all these thousands of manufactured homes going in all these hundreds of parks all over the country, which are still there today. And there, for some reason, God puts mobile home parks right in the path of destruction. Wherever there's a hurricane, a tornado, an earthquake, a fire, flood, 
there's a mobile home park. Well, but usually it's because the land's the cheapest, right? Well, the land's the cheapest, <laughs> and the Army Corps of Engineers has deemed it not suitable for conventional construction. Exactly. But <laughs> they allowed it for manufactured home parks. Right. Go figure. So, right. Yeah, so you you know you have that right that long term history. In fact, I'll guarantee you, there's mobile home parks that felt the effects of that hurricane yes. down in Louisiana. And there's probably mobile home parks that are feeling the effects of the, the fires that are up in Northern California right now. So yeah. you're going to start seeing all these TV guys getting out there saying, oh, these trailer parks. And therein lies the stigma. Those right. are old trailer parks, old mobile home parks, for the most part, that frankly should go away anyway because they're right. too old and they need to be reconstituted. In fact, you know, most disasters we've ever worked in, we've done a lot of disasters. People end up coming out way ahead. Yes. After a fact, it's, it's, it's tragic to have to go through that, especially if somebody loses a life or gets injured oh. or something like that. That's right. tragedy. That is tragedy in its purest form. But when the dust all settles and they end up with a brand new home, uh, and they usually do with the combination of insurance and FEMA and the occupational emergency services people that are is run by the state of California. I mean, you, you get all these freebies, these grants and you get insurance payoffs and FEMA money. I mean, it's you end up with a new home. I've seen right. it happen thousands of times. So anyway, back to your question, I kind of veered off. Manufactured homes today are built a whole lot different than than wobbly boxes were in the 60s. In seventy, yeah. In fact, I've seen from your website, you can tell the difference which ones manufactured, which ones custom built from ground up. They're just so really just stunning and really comfortable. It feels like it's a place you want to just hang out. Well, when you come down here, you walk through my little model, and I, you'll, I think you'll have a very good feeling about it. Good. I look forward to that. All right. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, as you talked about this. Different uh, sigmas. The homeowner have these pre-perceived, you know, association to manufacture homes. What other unique difficulty or challenges that you run into when you're building, you know, ADU units, whether it's custom build or manufacture homes? Well, you know, you deal a lot with economies of scale, mm-hmm. of which there isn't with ADUs. No, unfortunately, it doesn't right. matter whether you're building a 300 square foot studio or a 5,000 square foot home, there's, a, there's no economy of scale in there. You still have the same amount of work going in. That's what folks just can't wrap their arms around. They're going, well, geez, this little 300 square foot, they envision, oh gosh, this is going to cost me 30, 50 grand. Right. Well, unfortunately, that's not the way it works because you still have to go through the same protocol. Right. There's still site development. There's site evaluation. There's site preparation. There's uh, grading, there's excavation, there's retainer wall systems that that may need to be addressed uh, depending on the slope of the property. There's uh, utility connections, there's utility trenching, getting everything from your grid to the grid of the the ADU. And, And the whole idea with ADUs, just to veer off a bit, is to pull from your grid on your property. Right. Not from the city grid. Right. The minute you're pulling from the city grid, then you're paying your developmental and environmental impact fees. Yep. You're, and those are expensive. Those can be tens of thousands of dollars. 
They've been deal breakers in the past. That's why the ADU business never really got got teeth, right? Because it was just too expensive. Used to County of San Diego used to cost forty thousand dollars to get a permit for a five hundred square foot ADU, just for permits. Doesn't count the engineering. Doesn't count the site preparation. Doesn't count the build out. So people were stifled. Now County of San Diego because of the, all the new laws that have gone in at the state level, they're down around eight to 10 grand for a permit, which is where it really should be. Or, and there's some cities in San Diego that have waived all their permit and grading fees, school fees for uh, ADUs under 500 square feet. So, you know, different jurisdictions have different laws and ordinances that apply and, and different price points. Hmm. But it is a lot more convenient nowadays to do it than it ever has been. That's true. But you also think about as from the homeowner perspective, doing addition of existing from existing units while you're living there, having this independent unit separately in the backyard is far easier and faster too. Yeah, but but getting back to economy of scale, mm-hmm. people have to realize that they're going to spend a certain amount of money, regardless of the size of the home, to get started. The site preparation, uh, if it's a nice downtown San Diego city site that has water instead of septic, that has gas instead of propane, that has all the utilities close by that can be drawn from the main grid of the home to the what we call the pedestal or the stub outs of the ADU. We've got that down to about 20 grand. Yes. Under normal circumstances, you know, and therein lies a lot of the challenges. I mean, that's the most perplexing part. We, We can give a cost per square foot on a site built unit for the structure itself, we can give the cost per the overall cost for a, a manufactured or a modular component delivered and installed. When I say installed, I mean just set up. Right. Not not connected to the grid. Mm. That's all part of the site preparation and uh, the site development and, and all those other little uh, rudiments that I discussed. So, you know, at the end of the day, when the dust all settles, you can have one for as little as 110 grand. We we just did one for 100 wow. grand. It was an easy in, easy out. It was a the right. whole project yeah. turned around in about 30 days. Projects no that we've kidding. been on for two years. Yeah, yeah. And there's projects we've been on for two years. Right. <laughs> I, I know a lot of EDUs are average between nine months to 12 months. And it's yeah. not a trivial effort, but having to in and out in 30 days that's remarkable. Yeah, well, all the stars align because what happened is we got once we got the permit issued, we ordered the home. Took about four to six weeks to build the home. Took about four weeks to do the site prep. So came together simultaneously, and miraculously, we were the house showed up just about the time it was ready to be installed. That's brilliant. I mean, like you said, dovetail or parallel pathing doing the site build or site prep plus the, the construction or, or actually constructing the home itself. Simultaneously. That yeah. is and brilliant. That's, that's the perfect world. It is. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, right now, I mean, uh, even factory bill, we're, we're backlogged to January. I can imagine, yes. So, you know, in permits, same thing with the COVID, months sometimes. It's really exacerbated the time it takes to get permitted. Yeah, I can imagine the homeowner got to be thrilled just when they see their home come together in a month, really. Probably more like 
six weeks. Right. But still, I mean, faster than building a pool. Yeah, exactly. It was. And a pool is a lot more complicated. Right. I know. I just had one put in my yard. And that that took us almost eight months to do that. Wow. Yeah, from beginning to end. And it was just a spool. It wasn't a big, huge pool. It was a little 30-foot long, shallow end, you know, both end pool with a little spa, not uh, nothing really big. It still took about eight months. So did you build your own pool too? Uh, my son did. He's, he's also a contractor. Very nice. Yeah, it's always satisfying to create something, build something of your, the space that you actually occupy. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right. Well, this has been awesome, John. First of all, I do want to ask you, I'm just listening to you taking notes. You have so much to offer. And I bet there are tons of homeowners are dying to understand or get in touch with you. So what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, they can call or email. The name of the, uh, our website is crestbackyardhomes.com. Uh, and they could just start there. That We, we kind of recommend that everybody start there because eventually they're going to have to do that at some point. Then we have a bit of an overview. The intake form is self-explanatory. It gives us the contact information for the client and it also gives us kind of a, a brief overview of what their project goals are and then we it gives us an opportunity to call them back with a brief phone chat which is free mm-hmm. and we go over line item by line item the answers that they gave us and that helps us start to build a dossier on them. and then from there we go to the next step if they want to go go the next step which is to do our due diligence with the local jurisdiction. And there's a small fee involved for that, but that gives us all the information and them all the information about what the current codes are. It gives them the beginning of a plot plan because we pull a topo and then we go through different, the process of placing the home uh, based on the setbacks, the boundaries, trees, power lines, things like that. It gives us an opportunity to know all about that and to see if it's even viable or feasible a lot of projects just plain aren't feasible so we have to kind of stop right there and we don't want people to get in over their head or spend a lot of money needlessly without knowing that and then the next step if if it's a go from there then we do our site evaluation which is pretty comprehensive uh, and and involved we spend a good part of the day out there we'll spend two to three hours out there doing what we need to do, just gathering the, the information. We find out where all the utilities are. We, we do uh, we draw measuring tapes. I oftentimes use a, a drone to do oh, that. okay. Because we can take the drone up and we can get a bird's eye view of the home, the footprint of the home, also a footprint of the prospective location for the ADU. And then we color code with different colored organic spray paints all the utility lines leading from the uh, point of origin on the on the property like where the electric is where the gas is where the sewer is where the water is where the catv is all that and then we draw all that to where what we call the pedestal or the location of all ideally all the lo- uh, utilities are going to come up at the adu uh, and so the, all that's done and then we're able to get back to the client with a solid price based on our field evaluation, our due diligence with the city. We can give them a formal bid for the project. Very nice. 
Well, thank you so much, John, for taking your time educating all of us about ADU and how to go about it and how to go through the process with you. Anybody can call us anytime. You know, I would prefer they go through the website, but if they want to call us, they can call us at 760-815-6977. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of Revivify Podcast, where we're speaking with John Aronson of Crest Backyard Homes. I hope you enjoy learning from John as much as I do about ADUs. We're committed to support you through your home improvement journey. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Brought to you by Bayrap.